This is The Guardian. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard about Bitcoin in the news recently. Crypto is destabilized. Investors getting jolted by volatility rippling through the crypto Bitcoin world. Bitcoin has lost about a quarter of its value, get this, since Monday. It's not just shares in the dollar that have plunged day, but Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies took a hammering. Tonight, a massive sell-off of cryptocurrency, erasing more than $200 billion from the entire market in a single day. But you might not have heard about shitcoins. And yes, that's a technical term. Ish. Bitcoin promised us a financial utopia. A decentralised, democratic currency that didn't need the big banks or old institutions. This exciting new digital asset was set to change the financial world. And it made millionaires of many early investors. A decade later... We are awash with different cryptocurrencies. Some are trying to be the next Bitcoin, eventually what we might be using online and in shops. Shitcoins? Well, you could barely even call them a currency. They have no purpose, except so that early investors can buy them cheap, drive the sales, and then sell them high. No one is pretending otherwise. You just don't want to be the last person holding the can. Or coin. Today we're getting into this strange world of shitcoin scams, extremely risky gambles, and we'll even get a bit of identity theft. I'm Alex Hearn, The Guardian's UK technology editor, and my identity was stolen to hawk a doomed cryptocurrency. From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Alex, before we talk about what happened to you and your identity, I wonder if you could give me some background on this. As somebody who doesn't know anything about cryptocurrencies or shitcoins or how they work, 
I am curious to understand how these particular coins ended up with this moniker shitcoins. The, I mean, the name was, as you can imagine, initially derogatory. There are two currencies that you might call the original shitcoin. The first is Dogecoin, which was a meme-based cryptocurrency. Its introduction was purely a joke. It was created as just a clone of Bitcoin and we'll put a meme on it and that will be that. And what then happened is Dogecoin stuck around. People bought it, sold it, tried to buy it low, sell it high. People started making some money from it. But the reason why Dogecoin is controversially the first shitcoin is because it wasn't created with the intentions of a shitcoin in mind. Probably the first proper shitcoin was a Dogecoin clone, a token called Shiba Inu, which was created, explicitly sold from day one as buy Shiba Inu now and you will get rich because it is going to be the most valuable cryptocurrency. You're going to make millions from it. The market cap of Shiba Inu even now, in the middle of a historic crypto crash, is four and a half billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, the fact that a cryptocurrency that was a derivative of a meme-based coin is worth so much shows that these actually really set a precedent that pointless cryptocurrencies could potentially make you a whole lot of money. But Alex, the only way that you can make that kind of money from a shitcoin is to buy it when the value is really low and then to persuade lots more people to buy into this coin, which would drive the value of this up. And I mean, if then all those people have to persuade more people to invest, to me, it, it's starting to sound a little bit like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, like a pyramid scheme, there is a fundamental problem there, which is that eventually, at best, every single person in the world will have bought into this system and there will be no one left to cash out to. The Bitcoin argument is that one day the whole world will be using Bitcoin as a method of payment and as a store of value, and that the value of Bitcoin when the whole world is using it will obviously be higher than it is now, so you have a reason to expect it to go up. For shitcoins, that story is not there. There's no real justification for why they would ever be used by everyone. The difference between them and classic pyramid schemes, classic Ponzi schemes, is that they are honest scams. Everyone in the shitcoin space knows that every time you win, someone else loses. In some sense, then, it is just a huge gamble. But I disagree that it's totally honest because... This does take us to your story about the shitcoin Suka. What happened? So I, I was contacted by a couple of people who were asking me weird questions about whether or not I'd ever heard of this shitcoin, Suka. And I hadn't. I'd, I'd never heard anything about it. And I, I was tempted to completely ignore it because one of the aspects of the shitcoin world is that people are always fishing around for celebrity endorsements and celebrity I, I you know i should emphasize is taken broadly i am by no means a celebrity i am barely a person of note but i have a blue tick on twitter i have a job title that is impressive in the space and so yeah i get people trying to pitch me shitcoins all the time i ignored these requests because i thought they were that and then someone said 
on top of have you heard of it, is this your email address, hernalex at protonmail.com. And it wasn't. That sparked alarm bells. At this point, you're alerted to the fact that there is something going on. What did you do next? I asked for more information and they told me that hernalex at protonmail.com had been added on a note to a brand new shitcoin, one that had only been created in uh, late May, with the implication, not the explicit statement, that hernalex at protonmail.com was the email address of someone at The Guardian who was involved in the creation of the shitcoin. So I I tracked down the, the main community where people were discussing trading this, and I jumped in and I said, hey, I've got nothing to do with this. Someone is lying to you. You shouldn't trust what they say. In seconds, I was blocked from the community and my post was deleted, but enough people had seen it that the value of the coin started plummeting. On the surface of it, Alex, this sounds like a good thing that you're bringing down this scam. But of course, it's not great for the people who had invested in it. Did you hear from anyone who had already bought some suka? Yeah. Um, the first people who messaged me, <laughs> they sold at the at the then top, I think. So they they weren't too annoyed. But once I dropped into that that message room and said that they'd been lied to, I then started getting messages from other people who hadn't been so quick out. One man, a Turkish man, said he lost his life savings. And I felt bad. You know, it's one of those situations where there's not a good outcome. And so as I watched the price of this collapse, I kind of thought that its price would drop to zero and that would be that. But that wasn't it, was it? Because shortly after this collapse of the value of the coin, you then get an email that you're not expecting from the Proton Mail account that had been pretending to be you. And as anyone would do, you emailed them back and you asked them why they had been using your name in the first place. And actually, the answer was quite revealing about the kind of mindset in the shitcoin world, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, I emailed this Proton Mail address and I sort of said, why are you pretending to be me? They firstly sort of claimed that it showed that the the experiment was a success. What experiment that was, they left deliberately vague and then argued that it was no different from signing up with Mickey at ProtonMail.com. Well, you're not claiming to be Mickey Mouse then. You could be any Mickey. Their implication was that they were using my name as an homage and that when they said Guardian, they merely meant, you know, like the Guardian of the project, nothing to do with the Guardian newspaper, and that it was all a big coincidence. In the shitcoin sector, the current trend in the community is pretending to be other people. And that's seen as within the rules of the game. I think there was a sincerity. And having spoken to other people in the crypto sector as well, in the shitcoin sector specifically, I think there is a sincere disagreement on my part and theirs as to the nature of a scam. I mean, the fact that there are these rules in the community that mean that a lot of people understand this not to be a scam, but to be the way things work. When you spoke to the man who had lost a lot of his money, I mean, how did he feel about it? What was his reaction when these are the rules? And it is a gamble. His reaction was, uh, I paraphrase, but that's crypto, bro. 
The explicit phrase in the lango of the sector is that they blind aped it on Dex tools. <laughs> so to break that down, Dex tools is a place where you can buy and sell shit coins. And blind aping does mean that you see a shitcoin and you know nothing about it other than, in this case, that it was new. It was the equivalent of putting his life savings on uh, an outside bet at the Grand National. And it is obviously an incredibly stupid thing to do. But in a sector where you make money by buying low and selling high, one viable strategy is to buy something the second it's created. It's never going to be lower than the day it's built. And if you lose, obviously you feel very stupid. But when you're doing it, you're not thinking of that. You're thinking of the chance that you'll win. Even if you did take this seemingly completely ridiculous risk and end up losing your whole life savings, I mean, that's a really horrible thing to happen. And Unfortunately, it is quite a familiar story from the mainstream gambling world as well. And is this kind of space doomed to become this wild west of maybe not scams, but extremely risky bets? The best thing you can say about this space, shitcoins in particular, it is like playing craps on the world's largest table where shouting at the dice loud enough can actually move them. If gambling on shitcoins becomes anything like mainstream in the way that sports gambling is, I don't think it's going to be a good situation. You know, at least online gambling companies are regulated both by the law and by the court of public opinion. The shitcoin sector, no one does that. No one even could. This is the nature of a decentralized sector. It is impossible to stop someone gambling on shitcoins. So, Alex, after this story, what's your advice to people, to individuals, when it comes to shitcoins? I mean, there's obviously avoid emails from people claiming to be Alex Hearn or other Guardian editors who are trying to sell you cryptocurrencies. But what are your words of wisdom after this experience? I mean, I think my words of wisdom are, in the most neutral sense possible, be aware that this is dumb as hell. But there is a coda, right, that I should add here. Um, me writing, me giving Suka the largest possible platform exclusively to say that it was dumb and no one should buy it and that they had tried to scam people by pretending to be me. Today alone, its uh, its price has gone up by 257%. I, I know one thing about the, the, the cryptocurrency space, which is that I should just never, ever make predictions. Hold on, Alex. The value went back up by 257%. I thought this story was about the coin crashing. I mean, you have to tell me what's happened. Why has it gone back up? I first spotted the coin sort of bubbling up from where I'd expected it to be, which was near zero. A couple of days after I first went into this Telegram channel and told them that I thought they were being scammed, I asked around and I found out that not only had people in fact started to buy back in, there was a growing theory that I was in fact the developer and, and that claiming that I'd been imitated was a, was a double bluff. So I strapped on my shoes and jumped into the Telegram. The minute I did that, the chat exploded 
people were screaming, it's fucking Alex. Alex is the next Elon. Young Hearn in the house was my favorite one. And then I sort of made things, well, worse or better, depending on your point of view. I said that I wanted to write about it. And then they really exploded. Then the community decided that, oh my God, Alex Hearn is going to pump this in The Guardian, bring in loads of new investors. And no matter how much I really emphasized that I was going to write about it as a dumb scam, the uniform response was that all publicity was good publicity. That seems to be what's happened. You know, I'm checking the price of the coin right now as we record. I can't do the mental maths in my head about how much it's gone up, but at least a hundred times. Um, as ever, as with every single prediction I make about crypto, I was again wrong. If you had bought this coin that I published on The Guardian as a stupid dumb scam that everyone should stay away from, you may have increased your money by a hundredfold. Alex, I really don't know what to say apart from thank you for taking us into this bizarre and unpredictable world of shitcoins. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks again to Alex Hearn. If you'd like to know more about cryptocurrencies, do go to The Guardian's tech section where you'll find Alex's coverage. We've also put links to his newsletter, Techscape, on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And if you want more fascinating and bewildering stories like this from the world of tech, I would really recommend signing up to receive the newsletter in your inbox each week. And that's it for today. The producers were me, Madeline Finley, and Jolene Gofan. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producer was Lorna Stewart. We'll be back on Thursday. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.